What's up? Yo. So Andrew and I are sitting on a stairwell in the Tropicana Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. It actually might be Paradise, Nevada. There's a difference, but... Is Paradise, Nevada a real thing? Paradise, Arizona is a thing. It's right near me. I'm pretty sure. Look up on your map and see where it tells you. Paradise, Nevada. Uh, It is a thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they call this little area Paradise, but... Well, because of the smell, they should try to change that name. Listen, <laughs> this staircase in particular. So we're here at Sin City Ruby, Sands Chris Oliver. Yeah. And we thought while we're here, we'll just try and talk about the conference in lieu of recording this week because we would typically record tomorrow, but we are here. So we could maybe just hit the ground running with what we've done since we've been here. Yeah, let's do it. So Andrea Fumera and I coordinated our flights to land in Vegas around the same time yesterday. And Andrew drove over from Phoenix and picked us up from the airport. So if this was an Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode, the title screen would be The Gang Arrives in Las Vegas. Yes. This is Remote Ruby. Uh, we have to ride Andrew's Mustang. Yes. So I know what it's like to be hip and cool. <laughs> you know, as a boomer, I haven't ridden in a newer Mustang before. Yeah. People don't normally call me cool. I feel a certain type of way right now. They haven't seen your Adidas wardrobe. <laughs> That's true. This man hasn't worn anything that doesn't say Adidas on it. It's true. I stopped trying to make decisions. I am Mark Zuckerberg of Adidas. Sponsor me, please. As soon as we got to the hotel, we ran to the Ruby on Rails podcast host, Brittany Martin. Yes. And we got to hang out with her in a absurdly long check-in line. An absurdly long check-in line, but it was made less bad because we got to hang out with Brittany, which is always awesome. We got to, let's see here. Well, you weren't there last night at first, but I had dinner with Nick Schwatterer and a bunch of lovely other people. Colleen was there and... Obviously, Andrea and I, but yeah, it was a great time. And afterwards, try to get a craps game going. Yep. Andrew and I were the hype men. Yeah, we were. We were. We walked to a casino. I guess the craps action wasn't hot there. No. Walked to another casino where the craps action just was not happening. No. And then I went to bed. Well, then we went back to the hotel and craps commenced without you, which I don't know how to play and I didn't play. I kind of just watched but it's interesting. We did get to meet Eric Berry last night. And yes. That was cool. As the first, I mean, I worked with Eric and Nate Hopkins for almost a year and never met them in person. And it was great to see him and, and also to see Nate. Yeah. I got to shake Nate's hand this morning. It felt good. Yeah. I got to hug Nate. It felt better. Oh, damn. Yeah. It's hard to compete with you. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Andrew and I, unplanned, have rooms next to each other. Yes. There is no adjoining door. Unfortunately. So the party stops. <laughs> we say goodnight. Yeah. But it's a good thing, too. We might not sleep. Andrew told me about his nightly Batman routine, which I don't know we have time to talk about right now, but I do want to talk about maybe when we're back with Chris. Uh, oh, no. Because I think last time we talked about your morning routine, not your Batman nighttime routine. No. Because I was hanging out with Eric a little bit after you went to bed. And then I hung out with Drew Bragg and Nick Schwarter a little bit longer. And then they were like, we're going to bed. And I'm like, I'm going to go explore. Oh, we got to have pizza. That was New so York, New York. good. And then go to an arcade. Yeah, that was so much fun. Yeah, Andrew's really competitive at air hockey. Yeah. 
Dangerous, and, even. And twice knocked the puck off. One time, I was into the back of some poor bystander, Ted, but... This is a problem that has surfaced in the past, and I'm sad that it surfaced again. But that remind, it reminded me of that, because on the way back, we just ran into Drew Bragg, and yep. Drew actually just gave what I would say is probably one of the most entertaining talks I've ever seen. It was so much fun. And I, I'm, So much fun. I'm not just saying that because Drew is our friend. It was his first time speaking, and he did... Basically, a spoof of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire about weird Ruby syntax. And like, I don't know if I've ever been so engaged in a talk. Yeah. No, I like, I was so engaged that I couldn't even take notes because I was thinking too hard. It was awesome. He invited a volunteer, which Brittany Martin volunteered hey, to do. The queen. Yeah. And she did great, better than I would. He killed it. My favorite part, though, I kept watching Chris Seaton, who, if you're, he's been on Remote Ruby before. And he works at Shopify. He's very big Truffle Ruby contributor. And so he definitely knows all the weird like Ruby ins and outs. And so watching him, I was like, whatever he says is the answer, I accept is the answer. Yeah. But it was great. Uh, some other talks we've seen. Let's just go through the whole thing. We started this morning. It was Kelly Sutton. Yep. From, is it Gusto? Gusto. Because I say Gusto. No, it's definitely Gusto. That talk was about kind of pushing sidekick a little bit. It was a really good talk. A technical talk is the first talk is a little bit, it's not risky or anything. It's just like, yeah. it just hits the ground pretty hard, but it was perfect. Yeah. Concepts were so well explained, really good animations. Yeah. Real like really engaging talk. Some of the things were about how can you scale sidekick and how do you deal with like, you got a ton of workers and they're doing like create and update actions on the database and it takes the database down. How can you scale that? And I really hope that talk is available outside of this conference because Talks here on recorded and it right. was wonderful. And it gave me a lot to think about, like specifically because they use a replica database and they were having any sidekick jobs that didn't actually create or write to the database were using the replica. And I thought that was really interesting, as well as like the way they're naming their queues based on like timing intervals and things like that. So yeah, it was it was really it gave me a lot to think about. So when you use the read replica for your sidekick job, it wasn't just like Oh, you're trying to write, there's an error, screw you. Right. They actually have a mechanism because of the way that Rails will raise an error, like a read-only error for active record. They actually rescue that and re-enqueue that job into the writable, like, primary database. Yeah. That is so smart. And, like, that is really amazing developer ergonomics. Yeah. It's a really interesting use case for multiple databases in Rails that I have not ever heard of anyone doing before. And, yeah, just a lot to think about there. Our second speaker, Matthias, was that it? Yeah. Did I pronounce it? Yeah. Matthias Lee, a 12-year-old. Yes. Who just, apparently a co-worker of Jason Sweat's. I'm calling a labor violation on that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's laws that make that. Someone's getting a phone call. But 12 years old, gave a talk on the history of them. Yes. I don't use them, but I learned so much about them. And like explain just... Kind of the basics around it, too. And it was really good. I learned that it all started with an editor called X, which is mm. really cool that you can only see one line at a time. I tried to learn Vim last year. I like liked it, but then I didn't stick with it. And then when I was driving up here and just had time to think, I was like, I really want to get back to learning Vim. And then this 12-year-old gave this talk, and it was really good. That was the kick I needed. I need to just go do it. I don't know that I would say being able to do one line at a time is awesome. But it was interesting to see like the progression over the time as like so the editors. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. I think the limitation of one line at a time is the reason Vim came about. But yes. 
But I was telling Eric Berry, like, when I was 12, I thought fart was funny. Like, I, making I, still, poop I still think poop jokes are funny. I often wish I would have learned programming younger. And so, like, to not only be programming, but give a talk, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, no, kudos. Because, I mean, think of how good he's going to be. Yeah. And then... Next talk wasn't even technical. Ty, Ty Yeah, Ty Wood. And I got to sit at dinner last night with Ty and talk a little bit. It was about incident response. And it was a really engaging talk. Yeah, I got a lot out of that. You know, incidents at work aren't like your favorite thing, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> no, hope, they are. <laughs> I hope not. But one of the things he said that really stuck with me was oftentimes when there's an incident, we say... Our goal is like that this won't happen twice. Right. I literally, we were onboarding somebody at work this week and I literally said that phrase. And then the point he made, he was an EMT before, like here in Vegas. Yeah, here in Vegas. I bet that's wild. Yeah. He said that an EMT's goal is not necessarily to prevent another car crash from happening. Right. I mean, in an ideal world, yes, but that means like not driving. That means right. not having cars. And I hadn't really thought about incidents like that. Like there are things we can control. But there are some things that we just cannot control. And the talk was about really instead of focusing so much on the code, it was like focusing on the incident itself. When the incident comes in, take a breath. That one hit really hard because it's like when an incident comes in, I go into like fight or flight immediately. Yeah, exactly. It was such a good talk. And he talked about doing some practice incidents, things like that. And not necessarily like in terms of having like a code base go down, but things like... He said one of his friends uses like Jurassic Park examples and they, yeah. you know, like they spend a Friday and like practice how they respond. And that was another just really good talk. That's something that I really want to think more about because, I mean, as a new Podia developer, this is the first time ever that I am going to be on call. Even just imagining like, oh, maybe like we get together a Friday and we practice stuff like that or just practice like how we would even solve these things. Just, I mean, we have documentation on our frequent pain points that may occur, but like just to kind of do it with everyone, I think that would be really helpful. So I got a lot out of that talk in terms of like thinking about what is incident response? And then it was lunchtime. Yeah. And lunchtime was dope. I went swimming. I know you splashed water on me. Yeah. Um, I got to talk with Brittany and Colleen and Brittany's coworker. We had a great time and we just talked about programming and tech teams. And then I got to buy a frozen strawberry margarita yeah, in a special souvenir Tropicana pool cup that I will either leave here or cherish forever. It's one of the two extremes. Yes. And I know what I'm betting on, but I'm going to wait to see what happens. Yeah. I don't keep anything. I would, I would throw away everything. And then that led us into our coworker and friend, Andrea Fameris talk. Yes. Uh, she killed it. It was her first time doing a in-person talk. She did a virtual one. She did great. Yeah, she did really good. There was one point, so she talked on the upgrading process for Rails. She's in charge of a lot of that at Podia. And by I say a lot of that, I mean all of it. One of the slides she had hit really hard. I'm trying to think what it was. But she put a question on the screen. And by the time I was done thinking about the question, she would like had already answered it without ever asking the question. She did fantastic. No, she did really well. Uh, she talked about using Boot Boot, which is something we use at Podia. What I didn't know, because we use the Rails Next environment variable, is that she override Boot Boot's I, environment variable. Yes, I didn't know that either. And it's funny because two weeks ago, I was actually working on fixing some tests for Rails 7, and I couldn't figure out how to make it work. And she was like, oh, just prefix everything with Rails Next. And and now I know why. Right. So that was like, oh, because like when she told me that, I wasn't like, 
why? I was just like, cool, let's go. Yeah. So I definitely learned a little bit more about what we're doing at Podia. And also in addition to like how I would upgrade an app in the future, you know, thinking about, especially I really like how she kept talking about, think about a rollback plan. Yeah. Because that's not one, something right? ever, that's not something I would think about. It's like, oh, well, once I'm done upgrading, we're just good to go. But, you know, thinking about sessions, cookies, signed IDs, she brought up a lot of really good things that you need to think about that I had never thought about before. Yeah, I loved it because she brought up because of personal experience. Like we try to avoid things going wrong, but how often do like our previous mistakes influence the rest of our careers? Yeah. So, and that kind of goes back to incidents, but that's a whole other thing. Yep. And then led us into Drew's talk, which we've already talked about. The next talk and final talk of the day is Brittany Martin's. And I am excited for that. I've had so much fun seeing Brittany. The last time I saw Brittany was either RailsConf 2019. I think that was right. But she spoke at Southeast Ruby in 2018. That's where we met. And we talked a little bit. I was telling her at lunch. I just love that there are multiple Ruby podcasts now. And it's never been about them versus us or competition. Right. We're all friends and I love that. So I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here and yeah, hanging out. There's a hockey machine at the bar here that is my best friend. <laughs> it's his hype machine. I mean, yesterday, Andrew and I were talking and I was just slaying some bad jokes and that air hockey machine. Every time it felt like I had dropped a sweet ass punchline, it cheered or yeah. it talked about a fight. And I, I just want to shout out that hockey machine and I haven't even gambled yet. We've been here for over 24 hours. So I got some work to do. Yeah. But no, this is cool. And hopefully the next time we pick up in this episode, we will either be talking about more talks or maybe even get a chance to talk to some people. Yeah. So we're going to sign off for now and pick back up soon. Bye. Nine days later. So it's day two, if you're following along, or technically day nine, because we kind of forgot to record the rest of it while we were at Sin City Ruby. Having too much fun. So I think last time we left off, Drew had just given a talk and it was a lot of fun. Yep. And that led us into Brittany Martin's talk. Brittany, our... Fantastic. Our favorite podcast host that is not on remote Ruby. I guess I would just leave Chris. Yeah, so... No, she's my favorite, period. She's great. She gave a talk on what it's like to be the technical person on the call. Yep. And it was very practical, very good stuff I hadn't really considered. She talked about ways that you kind of implicitly get taken advantage of when you were the technical person on the call. Right. How to avoid those things, how to be direct. And it was really good. She also talked about ways to like set yourself up for success on the call identifying yourself, identifying the problem, having a specific ask, or that was for the support ticket. But like when you join the call, number one, she was very adamant, like no surprise calls. People, you can't just send me a a call link and be like, hey, can you join? Which I thought was great. She also gave a lot of really good, interesting like things about like elevating your second in command and confirming the agenda and giving introductions and recording the call and being honest with disruption and all this kind of stuff that I've never had to do because I don't have to, that's not really the capacity that I work in. People generally don't want me talking to customers, but it was just really interesting to get that perspective for someone in a role that I have not been in. Yeah, it was really good. It was a really excellent way to end the first day as well. For talking about being technical, it wasn't a technical topic. 
It was just a really good way to end the first day. What did you do after that talk? I hung out with Drew Bragg. Oh, cool. What'd y'all do? We were talking about something and he was like, I have to get changed. Do you want to just keep coming with me and like continue this conversation? So we were just hanging out in his room for a little bit until the reception and then went to that for a few minutes and then met up with you and Brittany and everyone and then went to the Neon Museum. Yeah, that was cool. Benjamin Wood invited us to dinner. And so Andrea and I went there. Let's see if I remember names. There was someone named Chris and Dan, I believe. It was either Dan or David. And then Nick, Nick Schwarter just kind of stumbled in and was like, hi. And we're like, there's a chair. And he's like, cool. And so that was a fun dinner. And then, yeah, we made it to the reception. Then we took that Uber. Downtown, saw some old signs. Saw it. really cool. It's my favorite thing. If you're listening and you ever visit Vegas and you're like, I need a break from the strip, the Neon Museum, it's amazing. Yeah, I can confirm. As someone who is younger, like I had a lot of fun. It was really cool. And I took a lot of really cool pictures. So, yeah, as a boomer, I just implicitly appreciate it. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. The light show that they did was kind of incredible to me. Yeah, someone it's who's done. Yeah, I mean, someone who's done animation and three D modeling and stuff. Basically, what they did is they took all these old signs and an artist basically recreated them in some modeling software, and then they used projectors to shine lights on the non-working signs as to what they would have looked like in their heyday. And that blew my mind as like the quality of it, but also as to, as someone who's done animation, I'm like, oh my god, this must have taken right. forever. Yeah, I think it's hard for me to explain the Neon Museum because like I've been a handful of times and like I'm trying to explain that show to people. It's like, oh, there's some old signs that don't work and they project light on them. It's amazing. But then like, I don't know, once I got there, I was this was my second time doing that part and I was just speechless again. Like it's yeah. so cool. It was super sick. So that was a ton of fun. And then we Hit went downtown. Yeah, that was sick. I like that a lot. Yeah. So Downtown is like OG Vegas, Fremont Street. So we took an Uber from there. Who was it? It was you, me, Andrea, and JF. Yep. And we went to go take a picture with a million dollars at Binion's Casino. And sure enough, they don't do that anymore. And that was what heartbreak, heartbreak feels like. Yeah, and feels then, bad, man. Yeah, it's no good. But then in the chat. One of the cool things about Fremont is there's a big video ceiling all the way down Fremont Street. Yeah. I think last time I was there, they played a concert. Oh, yeah. It was a 1975 concert. And I love that band. And so I just sat there and like looked up and watched that the whole time. I love that as someone who likes to be stimulated with lights and sounds and things. You're feeling it. I was loving it. I described, how did I describe you in Vegas? You were like a party for people who don't party. (laughs) You're, having fun. It was great. I loved it. I got to see you get carded at a roulette table. Yes. I didn't drink the entire time or like do any gambling. But the one time we went to Fremont Street, I put like $10 on a roulette and they were like, yeah, I'm going to need an ID. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) JF had literally just put like 20 down. It was like, no problem. It was like, uh, you're a child. So yeah. Oh, well, I am kind of used to it. It doesn't really bother me at this point. Then we got Evil Knievel pizza. Yeah, that pizza was really good. It is an Evil Knievel themed pizza place. 
I remember don't understand the, name. the it's evil pies or something like that. How do you remember that? It's my second time there. Oh, oh. yeah, it was called evil pie. Oh, hell yeah. Look at that memory. It's crazy. Yeah. So let's get into day two. All right. On time. We had breakfast. Yep. Same spot. No, we went to the hard rock for breakfast that morning. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was us and Jeremy Smith. Yep. Jeremy was there. Us, Andrea, Jeremy Smith, and ran back to make the first talk. And luckily, it was a little delayed. Ivy Evans kicked us off and talked about security. Yes, it was really good. Just types of like things you should be looking for, like types of attacks. And just, I love cybersecurity. And it was just really interesting to me. And just, it was a great talk. I can't remember the exact number, but like went through, I think specific was it more types of, I want to say it was eight or nine. Okay. And I remember thinking like a couple, like, yeah, we're doing that. And a couple like, oh, I never think about this type of attack. Not necessarily right. within Podia, but just building web apps, period. Right. If anyone out there is like interested, like a podcast that I listen to when I'm driving, especially is called Darknet Diaries. And it's from a guy named Jack Recyder and it's a security podcast, but it basically he goes over like hacks and he talks to like hackers and people who work in cybersecurity, like government officials, all this kind of stuff. It's super, super interesting. And I learn a ton from it and get kind of like more ideas of like the types of attacks people are doing. So if you kind of want to understand more of like what kind of attacks are going on and like what are some big hacks that have happened and you know, what were the impacts? I would definitely recommend that podcast, Darknet Diaries. I think that's what you were listening to when we got in your Mustang from the yes. airport. Yes, it was. Do you integrate your apps with third parties like Stripe, GitHub, Slack, or Trello? If you want quality webhooks, like Stripes, for example, that's more than just sending a JSON payload to your customer's URL and calling it a day, right? That's where Hook Relay comes in. Hook Relay is a service that makes sending and receiving webhooks reliable, secure, and transparent automatically. Some may even say magically. Users are amazed at the visibility they've gained into their webhooks. Without Hook Relay, you have no idea how many requests you're processing. With Hook Relay, you can watch your traffic, inspect each request, and much more. It's like x-ray vision. If your app or your integration partners are being flaky, you'll love the peace of mind that comes with knowing that no matter what happens, Hook Relay will make sure that your webhooks are delivered. Skip days of grunt work rolling your own webhook system and get reliable webhooks for your app in minutes, not days. Go to hookrelay.dev to get started and check webhooks off your to-do list. That's hookrelay.dev, all one word. All right, Nikita, the next talk. We talked about testing. Test your tests. Do you test your tests? And talked about in many tests specifically, like you can run a whole test suite that doesn't actually test anything. Yes. And Uh, I've actually run into this. Yeah. Zero assertions, but 12 passing tests was the example. Yes. And then talked about also like rebuilding this kind of thing in RSpec because RSpec doesn't tell you like the number of expectations that were run. Uh, like right. many tests will tell you the number of assertions. Right. Yeah. I've run into this before because it looks like the tests are running because you get like green dots all across the screen, but they're not. <laughs> Usually like you've screwed something up with your setup or something, but he basically had like this method that he kind of put to figure out if there were expectations. And I think I actually wrote down the code. He basically just put return of examples pass and example.expectationCounts.positive in a config after each. So that was the way he did it. And then he went into Rails and found a bunch of tests in Rails that also had no assertions. 
So he mm-hmm. went and was starting to fix some of those and he put up a picture and like, well, there's still more. So if you want to contribute to rails, like go find like tests and rails that aren't working correctly. Let's also not forget that I watched you several times take a picture of the screen with your iPad where there was a code example. And then I assumed do some kind of parsing an image, converting it to text and then dropping it into a city. because I noticed that the picture you took versus what you put in obsidian was like code highlighted and it wasn't a matching theme of what you took. Did I make that assumption correctly? Yes. Apple has OCR built in now. So like you can take a picture of something and just straight up copy the text off the picture. That was really cool. It was fun to watch you do that. <laughs> Thank you. So that led us into Andrew Culver, creator of yes. Bullet Train, who started off talking about Bullet Train. And I thought, is this about to be a Bullet Train talk about a product that cost $1,500 hairs? And 10 minutes in, Homeboy says, this thing is open source now. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, it was really smart segue into it kind of like hyped up like what bullet train does and then from there was like oh by the way anyone can go use this now there's some like still paid features for it and then gave us like a dhh style presentation using bullet train which was kind of incredible i don't know about you but while watching that i was like wow he hasn't had to open up his editor and he's like making all these things i don't know my mind was kind of blown yeah it was really cool it was a a pretty exciting talk, especially one right before lunch where you kind of start to right. dip a little bit. Yeah. And he was uh, a great speaker too. So yeah. I was like engaged the whole time, which it's yeah. hard to keep me engaged the whole time. I've learned. Yeah. Let's also not forget it was either at lunch Friday or after the conference Thursday, I posterized you. Yes. Jason posterized me. It was Thursday, March 24th, right around 5.30 or 6 p.m., Jason posterized me in the hotel in front of Brittany. It was awesome. My revenge will be incredible. The inflection of your voice makes it sound like you think it was awesome. So it's impressive that you did it, that I let my guard down for like a split second because I almost kind of forgot that you had been threatening me in case anyone from work is listening. Jason was threatening me the night before that he was going to, he just looked at me out of nowhere. We're in a group of people walking, literally no context, just looks at me. I'm going to posterize you this week. And I was like, no. (laughs) And the rest of the night I was guarding against these vicious attacks, but I let my guard down because I was talking to someone and then Jason seized his chance and he, he posterized me. You saw me walking up. I did. And I, I didn't register like I had forgotten and I, I thought you were going around your you. room. Yeah. You, you did a circle behind me. I didn't see you. It's just, I talked to my therapist about it. <laughs> Listen, that's how I've gotten so good at VR boxing is <laughs> I sit there, you know, I throw some punches and I wait for them to let their guard down. Right. And then I run up behind them and posterize them in VR boxing. Nice. I'm just kidding. There's not enough room to do that. You have mm-hmm. like, small square. Anyway, so after lunch, Colleen gave a talk on A-Rail. 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 That's how we say it in the South. It was really good. So she and I had had a call before the conference because I was working on, or I am working on, an active record course. We are kind of talking about it. And she's building a query builder. 
which is really cool. It's really cool. And that's what her talk was about, was like building your own query builder using A-R-E-L. And she kind of asked me my thoughts on ARL. And I don't have a lot of experience with it. I've seen some things over-engineered with it. So I've been cautious to it. But her talk made it actually like appear much simpler than I had perceived it to be. Same. Big same. And so it was like, oh, everything I know is wrong. For me, it was just more like, wow, this topic seems very intimidating. Because like when I joined CodeFund, that was the first time I'd ever seen ARL. And Nate uses ARL. And I'm like, I don't know what this is doing. And like it was just intimidating me to the point where like I was scared to even like touch it. But after her talk, I felt very like empowered to like use ARL. I was like, oh, it's really not that hard. And I also liked what Nate Hopkins really said afterwards is that he will sometimes write the sequel and then convert it into ARL. And I thought that was really smart too. Yeah, that's interesting. And one of her examples was taking, I think it was a select or maybe a where query where it it was a string passed in and converting that string to just be an ARL command, ARL command. Sorry, I saw Andrew die inside. And because Active Record is built on top of ARL, it can just take that in as an argument, that type of command, that object. And yeah, it's really fascinating. It definitely made me more interested in it. The thing I wish we would get is maybe an official like, this is a public API or like, it is safe to use this. I don't know. But at the same time, I don't know how fast it moves. So maybe it is just safe to use. I mean, people have been using it. I remember listening on the bike shed like years ago about ARL and they were like, yeah, it's private, but like people use it. And I think the core team knows that they can't really just break it. Right. In college, I had the option of taking two different teachers for this like database course. And one of them was going to make me do a bunch of relational algebra and the other was not. So me being me, like obviously I'm taking the lazy route, but she mentioned relational algebra again. And it's something that's come up in the past for me. And I'm like, I should just learn relational algebra. It can't be that hard. I said every single time before committing to something insanely hard. All right. Well, I'm excited to hear about how it's going next week. Oh God, no. (laughs) Ask next month. Next year. I'm excited to see how it's going in 2032. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That took us to Nick's talk. Nick Schwaderer. I was talking to Brittany about Nick and... I was at the speaker's dinner Wednesday night and the way the table was kind of set up, like I kind of ended up a little like isolated at the end. Like people would like try and bring me the conversation. It's just difficult where I was sitting. Right. And Nick just came down there and just opened up and talked to me for like a half hour. And Nick has such an amazing presence. Nick is a wonderful human. I love Nick. His talks are always my favorite. I love going to his talks. This talk was Awesome. So he told us that there would be a talk in an intermission and then the rest part two of the talk. And it was amazing. The first part of the talk was by Schwad. Yeah. His the, the detective, the Ruby detective. Yes. And then there was a video interlude that was a why the lucky stiff video, like some kind of video why had made back in the day. And then Nick showed up for the second part of the talk. It was so fun. And as the speaker going after Nick, I was so frustrated. 
because I was like, I don't know how you come after this talk. It was so amazing. It was great. It was about Pobix, which is a gem that Y had created for building out his blog, I think. And it was really interesting the way it worked, but he basically, it was never published. Pobix. It wasn't published on Ruby Gems. It wasn't published on Ruby Gems, right. So Nick was able to basically resurrect this gem and it's now on Ruby Gems. So I thought it was really cool to just kind of watch him like kind of going through like how he found this in all the old code and like trying to like make it work on new Ruby versions and like what he did to accomplish that. It was just really interesting. How did you pronounce it? Hobix. Hobix. Okay. So I thought in my head, I thought I heard you say Hobix and I was like, wait a second. No. But Hobbix. I also didn't take my Adderall today. So. Ah, cool. <laughs> Bet. Bet. And then you went. Yeah, I don't even know how to talk about my own talk, but... I can talk about your own talk. Talk about my own talk. Jason was the cleanup hitter in this conference. And for good reason. Because Jason, if y'all don't know, is an amazing speaker. His talks are full of energy and fun and very detailed. And Jason came in like, I don't know, a shooting star. And he got everyone in the room to start cheering for Ruby, which he posted on his Twitter. And then he got into a talk about the databases, about check constraints, materialized views, caches, functions like check violations and all this stuff that I didn't know. <laughs> so it was just really interesting to like see that talk because you had showed it to me before, but like the energy in the room and like the laughter, it was, it was great. It was a great talk. Jason did fantastic. You also, when I showed it to you, it was like, hey, I've got to go. I just zoomed through my slides, so I didn't really get a chance to like give the presentation to you. So right. I felt very good about that talk. It was a lot of fun for me. The database stuff is stuff I like. So right. it was cool. I appreciate the kind words. I had a lot of fun. I was disappointed that the little shop outside the conference area didn't sell a full bottle of champagne. Mm. So I had to buy two little bottles of champagne to drink during my talk. But Yes. And then it was the end of the conference. That was it. And then we went on adventures. What did we do Friday night? Got a really nice dinner with Schwad and Jason Sweat and his wife and Andrea and you and me and Ernesto and Brian Loomis and Nate Hopkins and Eric Berry and Nate's wife and Lindsay, who works with Drew Bragg, was there. But that was a lot of fun. I have never met Nate and Eric in person, even though we worked together for seven months. And I love them to death. We just had never met in person. So it was amazing to see them. And it was great to meet Nate's wife. And so we got to talk a bunch that dinner, and that was a lot of fun. And then we all went to some bar. Velveteen Rabbit? Sounds right. In the yeah, arts district? Good. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely in the arts district. Yeah. You didn't ride in that Uber. It was... Who all was it? It was Schwad. Maybe it was Schwad, Andrea, and I. And our Uber driver wanted to talk about politics. Ah. That was I cool. love when that happens. I've yeah, had that happen to me before. I think Schwad mentioned how high gas prices are. And oh. then this, this dude just went into like talking about who you vote for and all this stuff. And it was like, well... 
that's actually the last time that I had an Uber driver get triggered. It was also about gas prices, but it was almost a year ago. It was something. Yeah. We went there and I don't drink, but I hung out and drank a ton of water. And then Drew and Ivy and I hung out a little bit after y'all had all left. And then Drew and I went back to the casino and then we went exploring for food for into the wee hours of the night and had a bunch of fun. Where'd you end up food wise? In the MGM. They have like a food court. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Because Andrew Culver apparently woke up at like 3 a.m. and you just missed him. He yeah, yeah. I think we just missed him. It was a lot of fun. And then, of course, Saturday we went racing. Oh, yeah. What did you end up driving? An Audi R8 and a Porsche 911. I okay. think. I didn't you did the R8. I did the R8 as well in a Corvette C8. The Corvette I knew wasn't going to be like the others. But it was also more affordably priced. But even for how much a Corvette C8 would be, I was surprised at how much I did not enjoy driving it. Really? Yeah. Maybe because I did it first and the R8 was next. I don't know. The Corvette just felt like if I had a way to describe it, like it felt tight to drive. Mm. Where the R8 was pretty loose and responsive. And The R8 was very loose. The R8 felt like a car I could drive around. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The Porsche 911 was not a car I would drive around. Really? It was also kind of tight. Yeah. That's a good way to describe it. Because I was uh, going to do a 911 or an R8. I'm glad to the R8. Yeah. I like the 911 better for going fast. But like when you like hit that, there was like a straightaway. When you hit the straightaway in the R8 and just like slam the accelerator all the way to the floor. <laughs> love yeah. Exhilarating. Yeah. My favorite car that day was definitely your Mustang though. Oh, thanks, dude. Appreciate <laughs> that, that dude who tried to cut you off and haunt at you because you did nothing to yeah, him. Yeah, I did nothing. I think I'm a pretty good driver. I'm, I'm a defensive driver. Yeah, so I agree with that. I was like, why are you honking at me? I've done nothing wrong. I definitely didn't cut you off. I would have seen you in my mirror. I haven't even merged recently. I don't know. It was weird. It was weird. And then I got stuck in Phoenix for oh. two hours while we waited on our pilot to... Get out of traffic. Phoenix traffic. <laughs> and while y'all were doing that, I was at a Golden Knights hockey game with Drew Bragg and Ernesto and Andrew Culver. I wanted to go to that game. I just knew it'd be too tight to get to the airport. Yeah. I mean, not to not yeah, to insert FOMO that's here, fine. but well, it wasn't so much that the game was like super great, the game itself. It was just that the stadium was super cool. I was like, they should do all sporting events like this. It was just, you know, it was Vegas. So they did it up big and it was a lot of right. fun light shows and, you know, smoke and DJ doing like a show at halftime. It was, it was awesome. Would you go to a Raiders game? Would I go to a Raiders game? No, no, I would not. I imagine it's probably a similar experience. I'm not going to a Raiders game. That's where I draw the line. What if they play the Cardinals? In Phoenix? In Vegas. And no. we're, we happen to be in Vegas. Maybe I'm leaning towards now. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to find a way for us to be in Vegas just for, for this game, just for this moment. All right. I mean, you know me, like in the moment, I'm just like, I'm down to do whatever. So yeah, that is true. I'm sure if you were like, Hey, let's go to a Raiders game. I'd be like, all right. What was your favorite part about the conference? Hanging out with people. Hard thing. I really enjoyed getting to see Vegas for the first time and I couldn't take full advantage of it, but like, I was like, dang, if I could, though, it would be wild. But I really enjoyed 
Vegas. I enjoyed getting to see you and Andrea as always. Getting to see a lot of internet friends I hadn't seen in a while. I always some, enjoy hanging some out. Some I had through. never seen. Yeah, like, same. We were just friends on the internet. Yeah. So I always like meeting people in person who I've been friends with on the internet. That steak dinner was really good. And yeah. I think uh, well, my second you? question was what was your favorite meal? It was definitely that steak dinner. But I don't know if it was just the food or like the company. Yeah. It was a good meal. I think food wise, that's tough. I really liked all the pizza we ate. Oh, I enjoyed the pizza. We we did New York style pizza at New York, New York. And that evil pies was also kind of that New York style. It was good. It was really good. Yeah, I really like that pizza. <laughs> now I'm well, to my knowledge, it. that was the only Sin City Ruby that will happen next year. Sweat is putting one on Vegas. Detroit. Yes. Well, I don't think it'll be called Sin City Ruby. That's a good point. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, probably not. But it was fun. I would go to a Ruby conference in Vegas again. I would definitely go to a Ruby conference in Vegas again. It was fun. And I'm glad we got the opportunity. Next, we look forward to RailsConf. Yes, sir. And then I don't know if I do another conference after RailsConf, it would be RubyConf. Mm-hmm. I'm unsure if I'm going to RubyConf, but... That's pretty far in advance for me to plan. So, I mean, in my mind, I'm like, I'll probably be there, but we'll see. My friend Pete was like, hey, if we're going to go to a baseball game, which we're either going June or August. And I'm like, bruh. <laughs> It's April. <laughs> like, Dude, I'm going to a baseball game tonight. Are you? The Diamondbacks got one of their early games. I got nice seats for like 20 bucks. Oh, that rules. Yeah. No, so this tickets were ridiculously cheap. I'm a Cubs fan, but they're not very great right now. So, well, not... the Diamondbacks aren't very good either. <laughs> At least they weren't last year. I don't keep up with baseball as much as I, I keep either. up with like basketball. Tomorrow I'm going to a Suns versus Lakers. Well, the Suns should win that one, no problem. Didn't y'all watch we the Suns, Suns game? game. Yeah. What happened? Who won? So the Suns are the number one team. Let's I'm, go. I'm gonna baby. really paint. I'm gonna really paint this picture here. All right. Suns are the number one team in the NBA. Hell yeah. At this current time, the number two team is the Memphis Grizzlies. Not anymore. So we bought tickets a few weeks ago. It's Chris, his wife, uh, Shannon, and I. And the day of the game, the Grizzlies announced they were resting like five starters. I was like, this is a throwaway game. But the Suns came out full force. Yeah. And the Grizzlies won. Wait, the Grizzlies won? The Grizzlies won. Damn it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I knew. I don't watch basketball at all. I knew that you had no idea of the score. And so I was really trying to sell this as. You were. You did. I fully believe that we won until the very last second. It was amazing. It was maybe one of the best games in terms of watching a bench beat the number one team in the NBA. It was awesome. All right. Now, well, okay. Maybe. I don't know. I don't have any ammo because I don't watch basketball and I didn't watch that game. The Suns are still amazing. Let's like, go. Suns are still an amazing team. I think we're going to get beat by the Lakers. Is that what's going to happen? If you get beat by the Lakers, then it might be time to ask if the Suns are good. So, oh, isn't LeBron on the Lakers? He is, but this whole season has been wrapped up in the Lakers are doing terrible. I think as of right now, they're not even in the play in to get in the tournament. Oh, sweet. So, that's what I'm saying. Welcome to our sports podcast. 
Yeah, welcome to the game. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I'll let you know how it goes. All right. Well. Well. Well, it was fun. It was good to see you. Yep. See you again soon and talk to you in the old slack-a-doodle-doo. Slack-a-doodle-doo, baby. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>